Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the it is no uncommon thing to see the man of 40 in company of younger men acting in a manner that seems positively childish when considered, though perhaps at the time the circumstances would hardly warrant your thinking so. We have often noticed this levelling influence of the sport, and when you see when you see, it, see bearded men, rules among men, we may say, beyond the prime of life, vaulting five-barred gates, turning somersaults and otherwise sacrificing the dignity and discretion that is generally supposed to pertain to age for the frolicsomeness of youth. You cannot help believe you cannot help believing that cycling does, in reality, give a man a new lease of life. Very good morning to all those listeners out there in the 3CR land. If you're listening to me, you're listening to 3CR on the tranny in the kitchen. That's 855 on the AM dial. Maybe you're podcasting or maybe you're streaming. You're listening to the Arabug Show. A show about bikes, riding them, fixing them, and in this case, talking endlessly about them. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. <laughs> Sorry, Faith, I was having to slide that in. And our guest today, Ari, good morning. Good morning, Val. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. we haven't started yet, Ari. You might say that at the end of the show. I've got to tell you. <laughs> uh, and it's a wonderful day out here in Melbourne today. A little bit of sun breaking through a bit of low cloud. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. We've got a big show coming up. and We're going to go to, well, it's Halloween next week. We're going to go on a ghost ride. What a perfect time. <laughs> We've got plenty timing. of news and events to catch up. That uh, mangled quote of mine from this morning about bearded men over 40 comes from the cycling magazine, the issue in May 1893. Nothing has changed. Nothing <laughs> has changed. <laughs> uh, oh, bike moments. Let's relax. Bike moment. I had a couple of very nice moments riding around Dalesford on the weekend. Um, which is a bit hillier than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Didn't they have a big ride up there on the weekend? They did. They did. And a big southerly, um, <laughs> which was great starting out because, you know, you had it behind you. But, uh, um, yeah, no, it's beautiful. Beautiful area and um, some gorgeous, stunning rides. My bike moment, I think, is coming down through the Wombat Forest Ooh. on a much quieter road than some of the others and uh, um, just on those sort of rolling coaster down towards Kyneton and that, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's like you're in some sort of green tunnel in a lot of those places, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah very nice. Ari, have you got a bike moment to share with us? Uh, yeah, thinking, starting to think about the old ghost road has taken me to a to a bike moment, um, which I think will stick with me for a long time. We have been climbing up towards the higher part of the route and in this bush, I guess you're fe- we were feeling kind of closed in and I was so excited for that tree line. And so I don't know if some of the listeners are into hiking or going into the alpine environment. I always love reaching you, that tree yeah. line. And I remember getting there and coming out and just seeing Getting the above view. it. Yeah. 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 The world opening up before you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you're actually, you're part of it. You walk into it yes. in some ways. Yeah. Uh, Look, I'm going to ask for a little bit of forgiveness here because this has got nothing to do with bicycles, my little moment. I'm, I'm going to call it a, a dog moment, actually, if I may. I'm a reli- I'm religious, nutty dog walker in my local park twice a day, so you get to know all the dogs that are there. Most dogs are all happy, come up and say hello to you. You know, dogs have different breeds, have different personalities. Greyhounds are another separate being all in themselves. I mean, they do walk around like they're the king's hunting dogs in some ways. Heads always high. Dogs are otherwise heads are very low. And they tend to not be demonstrative or go out of the way to be friendly. (laughs) No, I actually don't blame them at all. (laughs) Anyway, a particularly elderly retired greyhound, name of Woody. And I would probably see Woody three or four days a week for probably the last seven or eight years. So Woody and I have never talked to each other, I don't think. Woody walks around the park. They go clockwise. I usually go anti-clockwise. And, um, but like a lot of those greyhounds, never come near somebody else. Mm. They know you're there. Anyway, I'm standing still in the park the other day and uh, a friend from up the street's got a new dog and Woody was walking around with them and going along. Woody then walked about 30 metres out of his way, came up, walked beside me and just tapped his nose on the back of my hand and walked away. (laughs) And the owner said to me, is that the first time he's ever done that? Yes. <laughs> he's never touched me before. <laughs> it was really a quite funny moment. Yeah. It was there and it was just gone. And he just walked away. Yep. He never looked back to see what happened. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> I've broken through. Yes. <laughs> now I've got to get him on a bike. <laughs> You'll have to keep the listeners updated on where that goes. <laughs> I think I, I can honestly say, knowing Woody, this would be a one-off. Yeah. Woody yeah. won't come and say hello to me again. It's, it's just one spot. Just yeah. enough to keep you on board for the next eight exactly. years. <laughs> Hanging he, in there. He's looking for new staff. <laughs> uh, 
Where are we going to start with some news? With some news. Um, we'll just touch on a few things briefly and then I'll put links to them um, in the podcast when it goes up online. Uh, we did, I think, mention last time that Daniel Andrews had announced that they would finally do the St Kilda Road bike lanes. In theory, of course, this yep. is, they're talking about 2025 and since they haven't done much else and spent any of the other money. promised money from the previous election, I wouldn't be holding my breath. <laughs> But what is interesting is it came out during the week that that is a very popular move and a vote winner for Labor in Paran. Oh, I'm trying to take so, it back off the. Yep, yeah, I'm with so, you. So um, maybe maybe that will get done. Um, anyway, yep. Yeah, that is that's a bit of a political swing for him actually. Yeah. But we won't go into yeah. it. Now. Um, yeah. It's a good promise. Yeah. Yeah. They were all good promises I know. last time. My dad promised I'd go to Disneyland when I was six. And uh, also in the news today, the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference kicks off in Bendigo. Uh, two days of uh, active transport conference workshops and talks and discussion. Um, and it also features Melissa and Chris Bruntlett from Motor City in Vancouver, who will be headlining many of the sessions there, as well as Riddy de Cruz, co-executive of the City Repair Project. Um, it kicked off on Friday with the Cycle Life Headquarters Bike Tourism event and then an entire weekend of uh, Bike Palooza and Bendigo Cycling events. So it's a big week for Bendigo. Um, we will be lucky enough to get Melissa and Chris on the show in a couple of weeks so uh, we can talk more about it there and their work in Vancouver on active transport. And just a short note on professional drug-fueled cycling. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, WADA actually during the week, last week, um, you might remember a bloke who was the team manager for Lance Armstrong's couple of teams, um, John Brunel. Anyway, was given 15 years, I think, for his part in obviously, you know, doping up seven Tour de France winners. There was an appeal against that 15 years, and now he's got a lifetime ban, just like Lance. So that's interesting. And along the way, I think they shortened the sentences of a couple of doctors who then gave evidence against a couple of people. This thing just keeps going on. There's a lot. I don't really be part of it, but as, as long as they clean it up and wash it up, there's a lot of interesting feedback on what the American drug courts are doing at the moment, which we should wait and see. Anyway, all sheets prosper. <laughs> also in the news, a uh, new study on the costs and benefits of a bicycle helmet law for Germany. Um, the abstract. Uh, I haven't read the entire report but the extract uh, details that it the study presents a cost benefit analysis of a law requiring cyclists to wear a helmet when riding a bicycle in Germany the cost benefit analysis takes into account the benefit of increased security for cyclists wearing a helmet or using a transport mode that is less risky than cycling the analysis also considers the cost of purchasing helmets reduced fitness when cycling is replaced by a motorised transport mode, the discomfort of wearing helmets and environmental externalities. The benefits of a helmet law are estimated at about 0.7 of the costs. A bicycle helmet law for Germany is found to be a waste of resources. So we'll put a link to that in the podcast for anyone who wants to uh, look further into it. There we go. Now, we're going to blend in a couple of events in the news. Yeah. It's all right with everybody else. Now, Cup Day is coming up. 
there's an event on at the Noble Park um, Velodrome, which is under a little pressure, I think, to stay there. Well, it's going to be demolished, yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> sorry. So maybe this is your last chance to ride around the um, Noble Park Velodrome. This is on Cup Day, obviously, November the 6th, and it starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. And it's a ride around the velodrome. There is a 100-kilometre uh, ride, which is about 250 laps of the track. Whoa. I knew. <laughs> no climbing, though. <laughs> uh, riders can come and go as they please Come at the start and ride as many k's as you like And drop in your training run Come and have a few laps Bring your kids, parents, partners, friends And anyone else who And that is at the Noble Park Velodrome Which is in 225A Dumb Lane Road Noble Park and show some support for the campaign to save the velodrome. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, on this weekend, November the 3rd, you can have an entire weekend of uh, bicycle activism if you want. There's uh, the campaign centred around the upfield line. So part of this is about um, duplicating the line to improve services on the upfield line, which are notoriously crap, and also um, extending the upfield bike path so there's a series of events on November the 3rd, this Saturday, kicking off from 10 to 20, um, involving jumping on trains and meeting up to join that protest. But in tandem with that, you can uh, join the cyclists who will ride from the end of the bike field, upfield bike path up um, further north into Campbellfield, which involves having to go basically on Sydney Road where it becomes Mm. almost a freeway um, Mm. because there's uh, no safe route to get north. So we'll post a link to that. It's definitely something um, worth thinking about joining in with this weekend um, to put some pressure on government, which has shown the... um, no interest in improving those. The level crossing removal project up there was an opportunity to make some improvements and nothing was done there. So, no, and yeah. there's no planning. They don't know whether to put it above, below. Nobody wants to do anything with it, do they? Yeah. It's a matter of just not doing anything and hoping everybody goes away at some stage, I suppose. Um, also on the no- November the 3rd, now if you're a bit of a climber, there's a, a will to climb for views. This is the beer. It's about a 300k Right around some of the climbs and views of Melbourne. That'll be Donabuang, Mount Leonard, I think, Murchison Gap and Mount Cooper are certainly amongst them. And we'll put a link up to that. That is November the 3rd, and it's an early start, 6am. Yeah, we'll need it because the first train goes at 6.20. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, this weekend on November the 3rd, Dirty Deeds presenting the Cox Plate. A fun day of uh, cyclocross racing in Fascinators. Um, we'll put a link up to that. And another um, thing coming up on Tuesday, the 13th of November, uh, the new 13 new trains carriages that will be used on some of the velocity lines in regional Victoria have removed the already mm. meagre space for bikes and yeah. luggage and pushers and mm. wheelchairs. So... Um, which has an enormous impact on all the tourism that operates around rail trails and cycling activities in the regional areas, but it also has a big impact on people who live in regional areas and put their bike on the train to get to the next town and then ride around. Um, So Bicycle Network are inviting... 
people who are concerned about this to bring their bikes to Southern Cross Station on Tuesday the 13th of November, ready to board some of the new carriages, um, planning to join Jacinta Allen in Bendigo where her uh, office is for lunch. Um, I don't know that Jacinta's aware of the plans. But <laughs> I think we'll be all lucky to get there with the way the D line <laughs> blocks the bicyclists getting on the train. Yeah, yeah. So to highlight this, um, that is if you you're available during the day Tuesday, um yeah, jump on board to get to Bendigo, explore some of the tourism that's highlighted there for cyclists, but obviously you're not going to be able to get there get on there. trains in the future. Um, and, yeah, we'll put a link up to that. Is this Bicycle Network? It is. It's almost an activist group. It's, it's yeah. Something yeah. they've vowed never to do, apparently. So 10 o'clock on uh, Southern Cross Station to meet the 10.20 a.m. V-Line service to Bendigo, but they do want you to let them know you're coming, so I'll put the link up for that. Now, coming up, uh, beyond... Sorry. Beyond the Bars is a great program here on 3CR. It's been going for many years. And I think every year or every second year they launch a CD. So it's out now again. The Beyond the Bars 2018 CD launches on Thursday the 1st of November. That's this week. 6.30 to 8.30 at Mesa. It's 184 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy. Guest discussions on justice, incarceration and prison radio. Light refreshments, complimentary CDs and beverages provide. Support Beyond Bars and you support 3CR and you support local community radio. And as we mentioned at the head of the show, our guest today in the studio is Ari Yates. Welcome, Ari. Thank you. And Ari was is here because she recently went with some friends. I saw... Um, to ride the Old Ghost Road in New Zealand, which is something I've seen a lot of people doing recently, so I thought it was time we had someone in the studio to tell us all about it. Um, maybe we can kick off by telling everyone what the Old Ghost Road is. So the Old Ghost Road is in the northwest, uh, in the northwestern corner of the South Island of New Zealand. Uh, it's an old mining trail in the area, uh, and somebody went through there and thought that it would be a great place to have a hiking route. So they um, came up with a kind of a crazy idea, I guess, to rebuild it and to improve it and to connect it back up. And then it became um, an incredible route to ride. And how long is it? 85 kilometres. 85 Ks. And yeah. how many days did you guys spend doing it? We spent three days doing it and the people – that we came across on the trail were anywhere between one and three. Yeah. 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 And somewhere to stay along the trail, you were saying? Yeah, there's an incredible hut network. So New Zealand has an incredible hut network in general, um, but these huts were uh, even next level on what they already have. So as far as bikepacking goes, it was pretty luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> Glamping. Uh, it really was. They have um, gas cookers, uh, oh, wow. cutlery, mattresses. Uh, yeah, it was. You really only had to carry a sleeping bag and your and your food. So it was. Yeah. It was very nice. Okay, and um, what? How many? Um, what were the highlights for you doing it? So I'm a New Zealander. I've been in Victoria uh-huh. for ten years now, and. 
I, since I've been in Victoria, I've become, uh, well, fallen in love with cycling, all forms of cycling, really. And initially, I actually just wanted to take some of my friends over and show them just how beautiful New Zealand is. And one of my friends that came along had never been to New Zealand yet. So a big highlight for me was actually just showing off um, how incredibly beautiful New Zealand is. Um, but also probably the the hut the huts uh-huh. were a highlight. Like yep. just they're often built in really spectacular location with beautiful views. So um, they're incredible spots to get to. The riding, uh, the trails were very high quality. So just being out on your bike all day in spectacular places with beautiful views, the whole thing was incredible. Yeah, and are the huts purpose built or are they historical huts? That have no. Been? Okay. Yeah, so they're purpose built. Yeah. Um, there weren't any huts at all. Uh huh. Along this route, uh, so there's when you first get into um, the trail, there is an old uh, mining township that's no longer in existence so you can find some like fallen over huts and um pots and things are left behind by old miners but nothing that you could use yeah and then uh the rest had to be built i think there was one old uh, Uh department of conservation hut along the way um which is nowhere (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't bother booking it with the other (laughs) options you've got now um but no so all purpose built yeah and so where, how do you guys get to the start of the ride? Like, where does it start and how do you get there with your bikes? Yep. So there, uh, you could do it uh, in a range of ways. You can catch public transport with bikes in New Zealand, uh-huh. so you can catch a bus down there. Um, we wanted to start quite early because we weren't sure of how long our group was going to take doing it. We hadn't ridden as a group before. Uh, so we got a private shuttle from um, Trek uh-huh. Express, just one of the local yep. uh groups that takes um, hikers and cyclists out to um, different routes along the area. It's a really popular tourism destination, so it's very easy to organise things like that. Yeah. Uh, so we had a guy pick us up very early from Nelson and drive us down to uh, essentially the upper Buller Gorge area at Lyle where we started. Tell me, do you have to book the hut, sorry? Yes, you do. You definitely have to book the huts, um, and I would book them as early as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my next. So, in a typical day, how many people would you? There'd be plenty of people coming and going. We actually didn't see that many people, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which I was kind of surprised at because we were there during the first week of school holidays for New Zealand and the second week of school holidays for Victoria. So I thought it might be um, quite busy. But because you, there's only a certain number of beds in the huts, and yeah. whilst they're all booked up, that's it. That's how can you free camp or not really? Yeah. No. So oh. the, you can book campsites at the hut locations. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And there's also summer um, huts as well, which um, don't have the heating in there. Okay. So right. at the time we went, it was probably a bit cold. For that, yeah. unless you really wanted to, so that acts yeah. to control how many people are on the trail, effectively. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we hardly saw anyone. Nice. Yeah, right at the start of the trail, there was a whole big 
gang of pretty gung-ho guys who were riding the whole trail in a day, staying at the other end, and then riding in reverse, which is pretty crazy doing the old ghost in reverse. Um, and so we saw a whole bunch at the start on that day. Uh, and then we saw n- no one for our first day until we got to the hut. Yeah, nice. so I was actually surprised that the hut was booked out because I kind of felt like there was no one around. How um, You've obviously got to book the... I'm just trying to set it up for somebody. You'd have to book a couple of months in advance. You'd want to... Yeah, you, you, could, so? yeah. you could get lucky. We had a group of four. Yeah. Um, so it was probably important for us to book in advance. Uh but, yeah, if you want to be confident you're going to get a hut, I would book yeah. um, a couple yeah. of months in advance. When you said you don't do it in reverse, you just ride it one way and you get picked up at the other end. Is that what? So we wanted to also ride the Hefe Trail. Um, so we rode in that direction um, to ride over the Hefe as well. Uh, you could ride it in reverse, but there are 305 steps in yep. one section. Gotcha. And so <laughs> you can either ride that down or you yeah. can, I mean, yeah, yeah. not ride, you can <laughs> very cautiously hike down with your bike or you can Carry struggle your, up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, the, oh, sorry. This is obviously part of uh, things like the Ghost Road, a part of New Zealand's very excellent push to get cycling tourism happening in New Zealand. Can you see that now, operating that? The number of overseas or cyclists arriving in New Zealand to do things like the ghost road. Yeah, I think tourism's a pretty important industry for New Zealand and I think they've done a really good job at expanding that network. Uh, they've got a lot of mountain biking that's uh, designed really well. I think Victoria's saying to do the same as well, uh, but it's really added to their general adventure tourism. Yeah. yeah. Well, even the infrastructure you just described for getting to the start. I mean, for that to be in place, there must be some really, you know, good numbers yeah. of people yeah. coming in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's it, we actually had um, an injury and illness on the coming out of the old ghost. So at a, we organised very last minute transfer to um, the next town before going to Heafy instead of riding that section. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we could just do that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. we actually just bumped into... Um, a person who provided that sort of transport at the end of the trail. Yeah. yeah. So it's really quite easy over there. No. And is the trail – I know the the website describes it as a grade four advanced mountain bike trail, mm-hmm. which can make it sound a bit intimidating. Yeah. Uh, I probably wouldn't necessarily – most of it I wouldn't grade it um, yeah. that serious. In fact, we were really surprised at how easy it was to ride. It's designed really well for climbing. So mm-hmm. the you most of the time you're not climbing very steep terrain yeah. and it was surprisingly easy to get up. Uh, on Once we left um, the old ghost, the ghost lake hut, uh, going down there is quite technical. The cornering hasn't been uh, is very sharp at the moment mm-hmm. with really serious drop-offs. So if you made a mistake, the consequences are very severe, and that's why I think it's graded so high. But the reality is you could take three or four days, like we took three days, Mm. and if you want, you can walk Walk. that section. You don't have to ride at all. So if you just walk the really tricky sections, it's certainly not great for. And um, obviously mountain bikes. How about 
cross bikes or gravel bikes? It's been done. Um, and, <laughs> and in fact, one person in our team who had room for very big, nice, squishy tyres yeah. uh, did it on a cross bike. I wouldn't recommend it. I think uh, there's some really rocky technical uh-huh. bits on that section that I was just talking yeah. about. And having some front suspension was great. Uh-huh. I'd probably go hardtail as my preference for bike packing in general. I think so that um, it's easier for carrying your bags and things like that. But yeah. having a bit of suspension on the front is much nicer. Okay. Yeah. Could you fly to New Zealand, hire a bike and do this? Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, we also did the uh, Queen Charlotte track at the start of our trip. And my um, partner who doesn't have a mountain bike came along. Uh, he's still very much getting into cycling. So we just hired a mountain bike for those for four days. It was very affordable and easy um, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds awesome and uh, very um, envy making. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, I'll put a link up to some information on the New Zealand tourism side about the Old Ghost Road for any of the listeners who want to follow that up. Um, and also, if you look up the hashtag Old Ghost Road on Instagram, I think you'll see a lot of really uh, amazing photos. Yeah. That's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Harry, for coming into the studio. Thank you so much for having me. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to the station, you can do that now at 3cr.org.au or by calling in on 94198377. Coming up next is... Jailbreak. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.